Hey, good morning, Lighthouse. I actually wanted this to be like a regular Sunday morning, you know, like how I forget to turn on my microphone. Anyway, so excited. I know this is a new and kind of different way to worship. I know there have been some things that maybe have gone on that have been distracting just because I know for me, I'm not used to maybe sitting in front of a television screen watching a service versus being present in it. So I know maybe it's been a learning experience for all of us, but I hope more than anything that you have sensed the Lord in your presence right now. So let's jump into God's word, shall we? I was thinking about it as I was preparing this message, and believe me, we've been, we've been doing our series, Dumb Ways to Die. We're taking a step back from that this week to address what's going on in our culture and in our community right now. In fact, I wanted to take this time to talk about a Christian response to what's happening. How we as disciples of Jesus Christ should be responding in this moment. I know for some of us it's terrifying, for some of it's scary, for some of us it's like business as usual, doesn't matter, okay? But how should we be looking at this? How should we be responding in this moment? And I was thinking about this this week. This time in history, this time in United States history, this time in my life, there has never been anything like this in my life. Now, I know some of us in the, in the first hour service, because that's where a lot of our older congregations in first hour, some of you are in second hour, maybe you can remember back to December 7th, 1941, the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Maybe you can remember that. Uh, for some of you, there, there, I'm pretty sure there won't be any of you who can remember the great stock market crash of October 29th, 1939, that led off the Great Depression. It was a terrifying time in the United States. Many of us who are listening to my voice right now can remember September 11th. 2001, when, when airports were shut down for days, when people were living in fear of what was going on, when America was under terrorist attack. And yet this moment in time is nothing like any of that. I mean, literally the United States and, and a, a lot of, if not most of the world is shut down right now. It's a crazy time. I have never seen anything like this in my life. And for many of you, you are in the same way. You have never seen anything like this in your life as well. And when you think about it, we really cannot compare this time to any other time in history. I know for many of us, fueled by the media and the things that we see and we watch, there is a sense of panic there is a sense of hysteria going on. There's so much uncertainty and so much unknown. And, and, and a lot of times for us, that's what we fear. We fear the unknown. We don't know how bad the coronavirus is. We don't know how bad the economy will be or won't be or might be for how long. And there's just a sense of fear and trembling in the world today. So what is our response to this? As Christians, how should we be looking at this? How should we be thinking about this? How should we be operating in this moment? Okay, well, what do we say? What do we do? And as hard as this moment may seem for you and for me, I, I've got some good news for you. You ready for this? You ready for some good news? I, I believe that probably all of us can handle some good news right now. Here's the good news. 
God is still on the throne, okay? God is still God. God is still in control. Can I let you in on something, okay? While maybe the coronavirus caught us by surprise, while maybe, you know, uh, that kind of snuck up on us and, and maybe in some areas they're behind the ball a little bit here, can I just tell you something? The coronavirus, the roller coaster economy, the panic and hysteria, the out of toilet paperness of our situation right now, okay, it didn't catch God by surprise. God is not surprised by what is going on right now. This did not sneak up on God and catch him off guard. God knew about this long before you were born, long before I was a twinkle in my daddy's eye. God knew this was going to happen. And it is for such a time as this that you and I are in position to make a difference, okay? And here's the thing. If that is true, if that is the case, that God was not surprised by this, and that you and I were created for a moment just like this, how should we be responding? How should we be reacting? What should be our attitude and our lifestyle at this exact moment in time? I'm so glad you've asked that because check this out. This morning, I was re- this morning, and, and I got to be honest with you, okay? I was prepared. I was preparing and getting ready to speak on dumb ways to die, and I was going to talk about gluttony this morning. You want to talk about the opposite of what's good, okay? Backing up here and looking at this, not talking about dumb ways to die, but looking at dumb ways to live. Do we live in fear? Do we live in anxiety? Do we live in hysteria? Remembering that God is in control, that God is still on the throne, it gives us a different mentality. It gives us a different way to think. It gives us a different way to act. And this morning, as I was doing my devotions, God spoke to me. He gave me the exact verses that you and I need to live into in this moment. In your Bibles, which in your living room or in the coffee shop where you're sitting and watching this right now, pull out your Bible, okay? If you don't have it with you right now, just click pause, go and get it, and come back, okay? I'll wait. I'm just kidding you. Okay, anyway, now that we're back, Philippians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 4 through 8. And within these verses, we find everything we need for this exact moment in time. Read along with me, will you please? Philippians chapter 5, verses 4 through 8. It says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about such things. Father, in the coming moments, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts as we kind of dissect these five verses in Philippians that the Apostle Paul wrote in this moment. May this be a watershed moment for us. May this be a moment for those of us who maybe have been a little scared, for those of us who maybe have been a little fearful. God, may this be a moment that we stand up and we recognize that you are in control 
and that we can have confidence in you. God, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So could those verses be any more pertinent, any more powerful, any more important than in this moment right now? We're just going to take a few minutes, and we're going to dissect those five verses. So you ready? This is going to be really fun. So look at that first one. Uh, Philippians chapter 5, verse 4, it says this. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice Rejoice. Paul, in this moment, if you read in there, there's some conflict going on in the church. And conflict in anybody's life is never easy. Conflict in an organization, especially conflict in the church, is never easy. In fact, church splits happen, and they're hard on people, and they're hard on faith. And in this moment, Paul chooses to directly say, rejoice. Rejoice. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. In this moment, it is so hard. But here's what I want you to do, Paul says. I want you to rejoice. Okay? The Greek word here, you ready for this? The Greek word that Paul uses for rejoice. Because I know we kind of want to say, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Do you understand, Doug, what's going on? The coronavirus, the roller coaster economy, the things that are going on in the world. I'm going to have to be at home with my kids now 24 hours a day. Rejoice. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Check out what this word means. The Greek word for rejoice there means glad. Or this is my favorite one, hail, as in a triumphant greeting. You know, like when you see someone and go, hey, like that, right? It means, it means glad or hail or joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's an attitude. It's a feeling that we have in this moment. It's like, it's like when you, you get home and your kids or your grandkids are like, hey, and they're so excited to see you, right? It's like when you see a friend that you haven't seen in a couple weeks or maybe they've been on vacation. I think of my friend Stephen Renee Brown who, who've been in Florida now. It's been a couple months and when I see him, I know I'm going to look at Steve and go, Steve, I'm so excited to see you. That is the attitude that Paul's talking about in this moment when he says to rejoice. That we have an attitude in joy, of joy in this moment, which let's be honest, is kind of counter to what's happening in our society today. There's that sense of fear, that sense of panic. But what happens when we have joy? It's different. It looks different. Think about what James, the brother of Jesus, wrote. Okay, James said in James 1, 2 through 4, he said, Consider it pure joy, my family, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy. Why? Because this world is not our final home. It's not our final destination. It's not our resting place. It's not our stopping point. This isn't it. Heaven is where I'm planning on getting. This is a stopover. And anything that happens here, it's momentary compared to eternity with God. And therefore, in this moment, I can rejoice. I can have joy. I can hail my friends. What's up, John? Hey, Rick. How you doing, Wendy? And I can have joy that is so different. And when the world sees us filled with joy, which is what 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, I think it is, talks about. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9, where Peter talks about we have this inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Not because of the economy. 
not because of viruses, not because of the threat of war, not because our, our government can't get along. No, no, no. You have this inexpressible and glorious joy because of your salvation. Focus on the things that are important. If you've got your family around you and you're healthy, you should be joyful. You should be rejoicing, right? If you have a job and, and maybe, you, maybe you're working at home and not in the office area, but rejoice that you've got some. There are so many reasons for us to rejoice, and that's what Paul talks about. We're going to move on. Philippians chapter 5, verse 5 says this. It says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Check this out. The Greek word for that word reasonableness, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That Greek word for reasonableness is epiakes. I'm not even sure I'm saying that right. Epiakes. And here's what that word means, that Greek word epiakes. It means this. It means gentle, kind, and tolerant. Gentle, kind, and tolerant. So that word reasonableness, doesn't, it, it doesn't grab onto everything that that Greek word means when it says, let your gentleness, you with me? Let your kindness, let your tolerance be known to everyone. Think about this. I was in Costco. I've been there a couple times. You've probably been there too. Or at, or at Sam's Club or at Walmart or Meyer, and you have seen the mile-long lines. Can you imagine that you went in, you went back to get toilet paper. There isn't any, but I'm selling some on eBay. Okay, I'm just kidding you. But anyway, you know, you've been, you're in Costco. You've been in line for what seems like forever. The person in front of you has two carts full of stuff you've been in line forever behind the person with two carts and the people at the front when you finally get there the 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 cashiers decide to switch out at that moment and you're like are you kidding me and right when they open again the person in you in front of you forgot that they need to pick up something in the freezer section so they're like hey can you just wait here and hold my place for just a minute while i run back there and you're like no you want to scream right because that's what all of us are doing we're all impatient we're all frustrated we're all hurting we're all anxious and 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 in this moment in this exact moment paul says let your gentleness let your kindness let your tolerant spirit be known to and here's the double whammy everyone everyone not just Christian brothers and sisters, not just, you know, like you're in the front of the line at Costco and they whip out and they're like, hey, I go to this church, can you hold my place? And you're like, I will be kind to you. No, 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 to everyone. To the barista at Starbucks who's overworked. To the person who just cut you off in traffic. You just, hey, it's okay, go ahead. You have a tolerant and gentle spirit right now. You wanna talk about something that's gonna stand out in our culture today, that will stand out my friends okay I, I read this to sean i was so excited about this this morning because it's one of the easiest ways that we can make a difference and stand out in our culture today is just by being gentle and kind and tolerant to everybody and sean looked at me and she said so what about you how's this going to work out for you and i immediately became defensive and i'm like well what, what, what do you mean i am kind and gentle and and tolerant she's like mm, what about you I'm like, well, I mean, I usually am. And, and so it's, yes, it's convicting for me as, it well, is it, as well as it is for many of us who are watching this, okay? In this moment, we reveal the peace that we have to a world that's in chaos. How? By being gentle, 
kind, and tolerant. So let's move on. We're going to keep going. Philippians chapter 5, verse 6 says, and this is huge, my friends. In this moment, some of us are going to grab onto this scripture, and we're going to hold on tight. And we're going to say, this is what I am holding on to because of the economy, because of the chaos of, of, of coronavirus, because I'm not sure what's happening. And this is what Paul says. He says, ready? Here we go. Take a deep breath and breathe out and read verse 6 with me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. My friends, we don't have to be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, do you see what Paul does there? Do you see how he pits those two things together? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, submit to God. And then he goes on to say, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Do you want to know how to have that peace, my friends? Do you want to know how to have peace in the moment of chaos? Do you want to know how to have that peace that the world looks around and says, how can you be the way you are with everything that's going on? In everything, through prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, in everything. So prayer, we talk about that here at Lighthouse. Prayer changes things. You want to move out of that place of being fearful? You want to move out of that place of anxiety? My friends, get on your knees and pray because you are praying to the God who sees everything, who knows everything, who knows the numbers of hairs on your head, who knows your name, who knows your bank account even though nobody else knows, who knows the job that you have, who knows what makes your heart beat, who knows what makes your heart stop when you're scared. That God, that God, pray to him with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. You want to talk about how to get out of moments of anxiousness? You want to talk about how to get out of moments of anger? Be thankful. Sit down in the morning and write down what you're thankful for. At lunchtime, write down another list of what you're thankful for. At the end of the day, write down what you're thankful for. Be thankful, okay? And give your request to God. God knows what you need, but let's lay it before him in humility. Be anxious about nothing. Hold on to that verse right now. Let's keep going. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do we overcome the anxiety in the world around us? How do we truly live in peace when we submit ourselves to God in prayer? And that peace that surpasses all understanding will be yours. My friends, I don't have time to tell you story after story after story of the times when I have been anxious and nervous and fearful and I've come to God and God has given me peace. I'm reminded that he's in control. I'm not. I'm reminded that he's in control. Not the president, not Congress, not not my mailman, not my wife, not my kids. God is in control. And the peace of Christ and the peace of of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In, Christ Jesus. in verse 8, it, Paul finishes and says, finally, finally, brothers, or finally, my family, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, 
think about such things. Can I just tell you something? Whatever our mind is dwelling on is reflected in how I act, okay? When I am hurting, my actions reflect that. When I am disappointed, my actions reflect that. When I am, when I am angry at somebody, my, my actions reflect that, okay? And if all we're doing is watching the news, reading the internet, listening to the chatter and the talk, if we're buying into the hype and the hysteria of this moment and filling our brain with fear and panic, then how can we not live a life that is filled with fear and panic? And so Paul says, if you, if you want to let go of that, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever, think about those things. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, my friends, right now, I've kind of shunned the news for right now. I, I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to be um, unknowledgeable of what's going on right now. But can I tell you something? I've kind of shunned the news for the last day and a half, and I have so much joy in my life. I know what's going on around me. It doesn't make it go away, but it helps me to refocus myself on what's true and important. I've spent great time with my wife. I've had a great time with our staff. It's been an incredible time because God is still God, and he's still in control, and nothing I can do is going to change this. Can I, can I just share with you, for some of us, it means that we're going to have to change what we're looking at, what we're reading, what we're listening to. I'm going to give you a hint, and I'm going to keep going here. Thefarside.com. One of my favorite cartoons of all time is called The Far Side, uh, and, and it is so hilarious. Just go to thefarside.com. I was going to show you a couple, you know, one of them up here, but I didn't have time to put it together. Go there. Look at it. Laugh. Find things that make you laugh, okay? Uh, let me just give you some scriptures to write down. And then read them and hold on to these, okay? These will be good to put in your brain. Matthew 28, 20. And remember, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear, for I am with you do not be dismayed for i am your god i will strengthen you and help you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand so what do we do i'm gonna close out here okay how do we live how does what we just talked about impact how we live our lives today because as christians we were created for you ready you and i were created for this moment right now for such a time as this, you and I were created to make a difference in a world that desperately needs something different. The world we live in is fearful. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, after, after Pearl Harbor had been bombed on December 7, 1941, President Roosevelt came before the entire country and said this, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And even that is even more true for those of us who follow Jesus Christ. Because our God reigns. Because our God is all-powerful. See, here's the thing. You and I, in our DNA, we have a fight-or-flight mechanism. We have a fight-or-flight mechanism. Anytime we're attacked, anytime we're under pressure, we're going to choose in that moment that either we are going to fight or we're going to run away. And my friends, you were created to stand right now. 
In fact, I was thinking about this. We were created for this moment. This is where the church shines the brightest. When we live out what we just read in Philippians chapter 5, verses 4 through 8, we take it out of our house and out of this church and into our community. Because here's the thing. Historically, God has used moments just like this. Throughout history, God has used moments exactly like this and worse to bring people into the kingdom to know him as Lord and Savior. I was reading a, 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 an article, basically, by a gentleman by the name of Moses Y. Lee, and he was giving the illustration that in A.D. 249 through 262, Western civilization was devastated by a pandemic that we don't even know what it was. There, it's not like we could call it the cholera pandemic or, or, or the black flu or whatever. They don't even know what it was during that time frame. All they know was it, it, it completely changed the face of Western civilization. In fact, it says in Rome, 5,000 people a day were dying. 5,000 people a day were dying. This was a huge pandemic going on in this moment. And the Christians in this moment were not running away. They were running into the fight, into the battle, into the fire, into the fray. They were not running away like all the rest of the Romans were, the, the people who didn't believe in God or who believed in other gods. They literally, history tells us, that they would literally take their dead and dying and just dump them out in the street and leave them and not come near them. But Christians were running to those people to hold them and to help them and to minister to them and to meet their needs. It says that the emperor, Julian, at that time was angry at the Christians for the difference they were making. He was angry at the religious leaders of the fake gods that the Romans worshipped because they weren't doing anything. And, and, and then so Moses talks about, Moses Y. Lee talks about um, how there was an eyewitness, Bishop Dionysius of Alexandria, and he wrote this. Remember, he saw this, and he wrote this. He said, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. And then Moses Wiley finishes with this, and this is what I want you to hear. The impact of this service that these Christians performed was twofold. Number one, Christian sacrifice for their fellow believers stunned the unbelieving world as they witnessed communal love like they'd never seen before. And two, Christian sacrifice for non-Christians resulted in the early church experiencing exponential growth as non-Christian survivors who benefited from the care of their Christian neighbors converted to the faith en masse. There was an explosion of people coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because Christians ran into the fire and into the fight. My friends, 
you and I were created for this moment right now. That we do not run and hide, but we engage, wisely engage in what is going on. And there's a number of ways we can do this, and I'm just going to take a moment to share them with you. Number one, pray. It's the easiest and best thing we can do. We can pray. We can pray for our neighbors. We can pray for our family members. We can pray for our fellow workers. We can pray for those who are sick. Okay, this is the greatest thing that we can do is to pray for them. But we've got to do more than just pray. We've got to engage with them, just like those early Christians during that time that Dionysius wrote about. We engage with them. We take a chance, a risk, and go out and meet the needs of people, especially people who don't believe in Jesus. What do we do? Simple things like maybe bring them a, a pot of chicken noodle soup. We bring a meal to them and to their family in this moment. I, I wrote down a couple things. Listen, one of the things that we're going to do here at Lighthouse is we're going to offer the opportunity for shopping for other people. The, the people who are the most afflicted right now by the, by the coronavirus is the elderly. And so one of the things that we want to do here at Lighthouse is to offer the opportunity to go and shop for elderly people. Now, my friends, if you find yourself in this position, if you are among the elderly or you are sick yourself and you cannot get out you or you maybe you're scared and you don't want to go out and you need somebody to go and pick up some shopping for you we'll do that you know all, all you have to do is you, you call the office um, or actually you email elaine at elaine at mylcc.church you email Elaine, you call the church office, and we will coordinate. We'll coordinate with you what you need and how you intend to pay for it, and we'll go out and we'll pick up those groceries, and we will bring them to your house free of charge. That's something that we can do, okay? If you are willing to volunteer to be one of those people who will go out and shop, if you're looking at it going, hey, I've got some time, I would love to go out and meet the need of a friend, a neighbor, a family member, I would love to go out and shop and do that. Please, Email Elaine, same email address, or call her at the office and say, I would be willing to volunteer to do that. We're not saying you'd be on for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can tell us when you're available, but you can volunteer for that. If you need help, just let us know. Okay, um, we're going to be reaching out to the Washington Writers Academy to see how we can help them. We know that there are a lot of school children who the only meals they get is at school. Are there things that we can do to help out in this time? We're going to call Washington Writers Academy, find out if we can help the school there and the students who are there. There are a lot of young families who are impacted by this. There, there are two uh, parent families who both parents work, and, or, or single parents who, you know, that, that mom or that dad works, and now all of a sudden because schools are closed now for two or three weeks, what are they going to do in order to, to meet the needs of their kids and also work? This is one of the areas where maybe you can help out, where you can step in, where you can volunteer to maybe watch kids for a day, a week, or maybe a couple of days a week, or, 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 or I'm not sure, but if you find yourself in that situation, please call us. I'm not sure what we can do, but we're trying to organize some things to make things happen, or maybe you know somebody who's got children and needs to work. Listen, volunteer to help them. Volunteer to help them, okay? Um, look around you. What can you do? There are always things that we can do. You and I were created for such a time as this. You and I were created to make the difference now, okay? We don't have time to sit around and worry. There's work to do. You were created for this moment. This is our time to shine. And I want to close with a verse and a quote. The verse is this, 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9. And, um, 
It says this, we often suffer, but we are never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we are knocked down, we get up again. My friends, that's the story of us as followers of Christ. In World War II, in October 29, 1941, uh, England was in the midst of just what was called the Blitz. They were being bombed constantly by the Nazi Germans. And, and parent, people who lived in London were sending their kids out to family and other people so they could get them out of the city as it was just being turned into rubble. And, and Winston Churchill, who, who, who was the prime minister at this point in time, needed to get out just for a moment to collect his thoughts and to get a break. And he went to the Harrow School to talk to some children. And this is what he said. He said this, and I want you to remember this because it's so true for this exact moment in time. Quote, do not let us speak of darker days. Let us speak rather of sterner days. These are not dark days. These are great days. The greatest days our country has ever lived. And we must all thank God that we have been allowed, each of us, according to our stations, to play a part in making these days memorable in the history of our race. My friends, you and I were created for this moment. We don't need to live into the panic and the hysteria and the fear because our God is on the throne and he reigns. We were created to shine in this moment by making a difference in our community. And that's how I want to challenge you. That's how I want to leave you, to remember that God is on the throne, to pour your mind and your heart and your soul into Philippians chapter 5, verses 4 through 8, and those, those verses that I gave you, and let your mind dwell on those good things as you continue to make a difference by knowing God and showing God. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you, God, that you have said you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, God, that you created us for this exact moment, that we can join you in what you are doing and what you want to do. That, God, in this moment, there are people who don't know you, whose lives can be forever changed if we will not run away from the battle, but we will run in to the fire with a pot of chicken noodle soup, with a cheerful attitude and spirit filled with joy and patience god may the world see how the church responds to this and want what we have that they would want jesus christ and that jesus christ will make all the difference thank you god we love you and we pray these things in jesus name amen